When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. My friends, I am Vivian McPeak, and this is Ham Present. If you have feedback, would like to suggest a guest or topic for Ham Present, email me at hempresent at gmail.com. Rick Cusick has one of the most unique professional portfolios in the modern cannabis industry. He has worked on the top tiers of media, commerce, culture, and cannabis activism for 25 years. Best known for his 18-year tenure at High Times Magazine and HighTimes.com from 1998 to 2016, including infamous turns as ad director, co-editor, and associate publisher and spokesperson, Rick has appeared on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Entertainment Tonight, CNN Business Report, The Bill O'Reilly Radio Show, CNN Business Report, Huffington Post, Live, The History Channel, and many local television shows, radio programs, and cannabis-themed podcasts. Rick has published over 200 articles, essays, columns, and interviews relating to cannabis and cannabis law reform. Rick has also served on the board of directors of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws for 11 years. And Rick holds the distinction of being one of the only people I was ever willing to hand the MC microphone to at the Seattle Hempfest main stage for many years. And he's with us today to tell us more. Welcome, Rick, to Cannabis Radio. I am very pleased to be here, Vivian, and I am very proud of that uh, that um, distinction I have of having the uh, microphone at your discretion. Let me tell you, nice. some of the best times of my life, man. I'm right sure. on, bro. We, we might even touch on that. We have, we have so much to cover in a short amount of time, so I'm just going to dive in. You spent many years Go at High it. Times Magazine. High Times yep. has had many incarnations, but the most recent one's getting a lot of attention. What, what are your just general thoughts on High Times Magazine post-Canvas legalization? Uh, could you just give us a quick rundown? Yeah, well, my thought is, I mean, I have a very specific uh, viewpoint of the whole thing. Um, in 2016, it changed hands. Uh, when Michael Kennedy passed away, I left at that point as well, total coincidence, uh, and um, went to California. And shortly after those two events, uh, High Times changed hands into a corporate ownership. Before that, it was a I mean, there was a corporation, but basically it was a, a families, two families ran High Times, and they were my bosses for all those years. So for me, High Times divides between the family of High Times, the hand that the people who ran it and the corporate people. Now, since the corporate takeovers of high times, um, there's been several different owners. I've known none of them. I left literally four weeks before they, every, the first corporate people showed up and um, I know none of them. So I can't speak personally about it, but I will say this. Uh, they've been in the news now. Um, they're apparently are defaulting on their loans. Um, that's what was in the news. Uh, it's been reported they owed 28 
$5.5 million on the street. And I can say for a fact that when I left High Times, we owed some money, but it wasn't anywhere near $28 million. So, uh, you know, corporations have a tendency of uh, not thinking of High Times as a cannabis magazine, but as a corporate entity. You know, is this something you can you can right. push around on the table and do it that way? And honestly, um, my feeling is uh, I always thought that was going to happen. It's kind but, of symbolic you know, when, of the greater. It's kind of symbolic of the greater cannabis industry these days. Am I wrong? Yeah, not only is it symbolic for me, it's a very specific metaphor. I mean, the people who I worked with at High Times up to 2016. Now, there's a lot of criticism all over the years about High Times, but I can tell you. The people I worked with 2016, we cared about the cannabis legalization movement, and we did a lot of things towards it. And, uh, and I think that after that, and probably unavoidably, uh, corporate people came in, and they don't care about cannabis, not really one bit. To them, it's a corporate uh, – it's a piece of uh, you know, chess game. The S in cannabis and, is a dollar sign for them, right? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a dollar sign for everybody. And I, again, I want to stress this. I'm not so critical as a lot of other people. I always expected that. Mm-hmm. I never thought that, that one day the corporate people would come in and they would, you know, Bob Dylan said money doesn't talk, it swears. I, I'm sure one day money was going to come in and swear and take over what was our uh, a movement to legalize cannabis. And in a way, that was kind of a goal, right? Because that would be That's success. exactly what we wanted. <laughs> and, <laughs> be careful also, what you want. Uh, it, well, to put it in context from my personal self, I got involved in this, not really to start uh, a cannabis industry, although that I'd certainly worked on that and I was a big part of it. But I got started because I wanted to keep people out of jail. I did the jail when I got started 25 years ago. The jail figures were horrendous, and that's what got my attention, and that's what made me start writing about cannabis in the first place. And um, you know, pretty much, I mean, people's lives Ditto. are still being ruined by cannabis. Ditto, sure. Ditto bro. When but, people tell me that but, cannabis is legal, I, I bristle. You know, yeah, oh, it's like legal. It's not, and you know, it'll never be completely legal. Um, after uh, alcohol prohibition, there was a couple of states, Utah, for many, many years as a dry state. They just mm. wouldn't do it. Mm. And, uh, and that was true all the way up until the 1980s or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I think there will always be dry states regarding cannabis. Um, and fine, do what we want to do. I just don't want people to go to jail anywhere. Anywhere. So, so, so Rick, even, you even were in the upper, state. you were in the upper echelon at High Times at a pretty exciting time at its development. Yeah, what, the best what, time. What was, what was that time like? We dragged it over the line and won, man. What was it like <laughs> being in the media spotlight for one of the most notorious and infamous magazines in America? Yeah, it was. Um, sometimes it was terrifying, and every day it was exciting. It was the, obviously the best job I ever had in my life. Um, right. I was, I considered it a privilege that every day that I was able to do anything like that for a living, much less a really good living. And uh, and you know, it was. It came along at a time, as you know, I had I was a single dad with a daughter, and my daughter and High Times came along exactly at the same time. So I was hit with two very overwhelming things at the same time. And uh, High Times was, uh, you know, uh, the best professional experience of my life. And, you know, to answer your question in a larger fact, in a larger context, um, what I saw about cannabis legalization over the 18 years I worked at High Times, we did everything we did to, you know, to 
called people to arms and you know get the thing done. And all of that helped, and every bit of it you know contributed a million points of light, right? But we didn't really win anything until 51% of the American people were for the legalization of marijuana. Mm-hmm. And when I started in 1998, it was 35%. And more or less, you every year, one point a year, one point a year until, 19, until 2010, when we had 50%, and then we gained three points the next year. And then two points. Well, you know, that. I think that you're, I think you're four years older than I am. When I was, I was 16 years old when I got in 1974, when I got the first issue of high times and, and yeah, and I was the first one changed my <laughs> life. You know, I mean, it changed yeah, my life. Me I mean, too, I was me addicted too. to it. It was just like, Oh my God, I can't believe there's something like this. This is me. This is my people. This is my culture. Um, and so I, I was right there. So you're probably right there. So yeah, I can imagine, but you know, all of a sudden, here you are at the helm of the thing. But you, ever, been, you know the 70s show? You ever see yeah. the 70s show? You know, they get high in, in the basement, right? Uh, I was that guy. I was exactly that age. I was in Mark Pack's basement. I was get his mother's basement. I was getting high. And this other guy, Mike Young, came in. And he said, hey, look what I got. And he held up the magazine. I said, what's that? Because it's a magazine about weed. I said, get the fuck out. And so he gave it to me, and I literally read out loud confessions of a lady dealer while we sat around and smoked a bowl. It was like and the Playboy I... magazine of stoners. You know, I, mean, I spent more time scouring that magazine than I did my dad's Playboy collection. That, and you hid it and under your bed so your parents couldn't find it. <laughs> That's, That's right. right. It was exactly. <laughs> and you know something? If you look at the actual structure of the magazine, it was taken off uh, Playboy. It had a, an upfront form and had an upfront letter. Had a fold out. Yeah, every, and it had, and God knows it had a sense. Weed porn. <laughs> yeah, you know, Tom Prasad, the guy who started High Times, he was the first person who looked at, you know, a desiccated bud and said, that is beauty, and people would pay to, to see that. And it was a really, it was a big uh, leap, because think about all the bud shots. Think about all the bud imagery we've had, you know? Nobody ever thought about putting that you know, in a frame, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, and, and bringing attention to it until Tom had, uh, he didn't do it in the first issue. He did it in the second issue. Oh, it was, it was a parent and a DEA agent's worst nightmare. And, and of course, you know, <laughs> you guys were under scrutiny. We only have about 20 seconds uh, till the first yeah. break, but I just, you know, want to thank you for what you did to help us get to this point, my brother. Oh, YouTube, baby. And I can't tell you uh, meeting you guys out there was like meeting my family on the West coast. <laughs> and uh yeah i'm very proud of everything we did together it's great and we're doing yeah, it right yeah. and we're doing it right now um yes, as sir. i often say in this show it's time to roach this segment but- when you visit arizona time is measured in moments not minutes like the moment you see the grand canyon for the first time <sighs> visit a new state of mind learn more at hereyouareaz.com when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got a big fatty second segment rolled up, so don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us present. Hang loose. 
We're coming right back. We're back for the second segment with Rick Cusick. Rick, knowing you for all these years, I've been very aware of how important being a parent has been for you. So important that you've written a book about it uh, called Reefer Dadness. Why did you write the book and what can you tell us about it? Well, why did I write it? Because uh, somebody once told me, if you want to write a book, it should be a story only you could tell. And that's pretty much a story only I could tell. Um, as I just mentioned before, I got my job right around the time Dylan was born, and uh, my wife and I broke up shortly after that, so I raised her pretty much on my own. And um, and I wrote this book a lot of uh, – 10 years ago, I wrote a full book called Reefer Dadness, which is all about how to keep out of jail and still – Tell, and tell your kid about weed. You know, it's more a cautionary tale of parents. And as I wrote the book, things changed. <laughs> and now it's a celebratory book uh, that starts with the day my daughter got is born. And right after that, I had to get a job. So I got one at high times. And it ends with my daughter, 22 years old, and God's own stoner. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and a happy, happy uh, woman at that. And my daughter is awesome. And uh, I would, to be honest with you, I kind of did it from the hip and I was worried that I was making mistakes, you know, cause I, as you know, I traveled with her to everything I did. So she was kind of like the mascot of the marijuana movement for a while. And, uh, but no, she's turned out, I couldn't be more happy. And, um, it was a, an adventure bringing her everywhere. Um, you know, she was every year we came to Seattle, every year she came on the road with me and talked to the colleges. Uh, she came to the normal conference every year. I never kept education. Her, I never took, yeah, well, she she learned and uh, she learned to. You know, it's funny. Um, she didn't smoke pot until she was eighteen, and she told me minutes before she did, "I'm going in that room now and smoking marijuana." And I said, <laughs> "Well, why would you tell me that?" And she said, "Well, I just didn't want to mess with us at all." I said, "No, okay, you're you're fine." And uh, but she waited till he was eighteen, and so <laughs> I said, "Why?" And she goes, "And I didn't want to get you in trouble." Oh. Yeah. That's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you were had the same situation as me or, you know, yeah, my dad's the hemp fest guy. <laughs> my dad's the high times guy. It's like yeah. The coolest, oh, yeah. The coolest yeah. dad in the world. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or not depending who you're talking or, to. Or yawn, yawn. Yeah. But that's a hemp fest guy. Right. Cause my kids are totally unimpressed by it. They're just they're saturated with it. Yeah, that's true too. My, my kids are good. Well, now she found out that within her own cohort, they were impressed with it. So my daughter was suddenly impressed with it for their sake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she told me you'd appreciate this. She said, I wish we were still going to Seattle Hempfest, Dad, because now I'm smoking weed. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, we're going to have to put another one together, man. Yeah, um, and that's that a whole nother, though. that's a whole nother story. And let's not get into that. Um, yeah. it, it feels we got a couple minutes. Uh, well, we actually have more than a couple minutes. It feels as if every other celebrity has decided to get involved in the cannabis industry, which is, you know, yeah. on one on one hand, a powerful normalizer, uh, and also a sign of just kind of how far we've come that they feel comfortable doing that. Uh, and it's of like course, hundred now. Yeah, yeah. And you were at one time working with uh, Whoopi and Maya Medical Cannabis, and the Whoopi in that is Whoopi Goldberg. Uh, give us the four one one on that four two zero. Yeah, um, uh, it's in the book. Uh, Whoopi I, and I, uh, one day I got a phone call at work, and I said, is Rick Cusick there? And I said, this is good. This is Whoopi Goldberg. And I said, Whoopi Goldberg, the comedian? And she said, yes, it is. And I said, no, it is. And I met Whoopi Goldberg once, and she said, and your daughter wore a top hat. And I said, oh, shit, you are Whoopi Goldberg. And she, wanted, and she wanted tickets for the cannabis cup for her family. Anyway, she turned out to be 
lived away about a mile from my house, and we became friends. We were friends for about a year, and then she asked me uh, to see if I could find some people for her to to uh, start a cannabis company with, and I found Maya, and uh, I introduced them, and uh, they got along so well, and I thought Whoopi and I were going to start a cannabis company together, and uh, I was working on that, and then I introduced Maya to her, and this is a funny story I've never told publicly before. She... Whoopi excused herself, walked upstairs, came back, and said, I just spoke with my mother. Her mother died in 2008. <laughs> and her mother told her to call the company Whoopi and Maya. And uh, so Maya and Whoopi became partners, and I, we three of us, along with Evan Nissen from Nissen Co., we co-founded uh, Whoopi and Maya Medical Cannabis for a menstrual discomfort. Mm-hmm. And it was very beloved by the... Uh, by the people it was meant for. And, um, and in 2018, because of all the Michigas with the legalization in California and eliminated the medical uh, uh, laws and such, uh, put a lot of strain on the company and we had to close down the company in 2018. But mm-hmm. there's still hope that it might come back. We'll see. Is Whippy a stoner? But, uh, is is Whippy uh, an imbiber of the fiber? Yeah, yeah. Well, she's been way back, you know, way back when uh, she's exactly my age. And uh, she has, uh, like myself, gone through all the drugs over the years. And then sure. she settled in on cannabis. And, uh, and then she, uh, she got glaucoma when she was in her 50s. And oh, wow. pretty much she became a, uh, a medical patient at that point. Mm-hmm. And uh, she used a, 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 a pen and called it her sippy. And she knew that. She talked about it on The View and everything like that. Right, right. And, and yeah, yeah, I guess I missed that. And, I don't watch The View regularly. I never watched it ever. I still haven't. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, but yeah, no, she's she's an A-lister, man. She's, oh, yeah, when you no, get involved she's, with Whoopi. Oh, uh, she's a defender, a, a defender of democracy the these days, a defender of truth, justice, and democracy, man. Thank God for it. Um, I mentioned in my intro that for many years, when I was the MC, the Seattle Hempfest main stage, the Share Parker Memorial main stage, you were yeah. one of the few people, one of the few people, like maybe one out of two or three people that I trusted yeah. to hand the MC work over to. What are your thoughts on Seattle Hempfest and your experiences on its main stage? Ah, uh, Jesus. Well, first of all, I still can't let, I still can't believe you let me do all that. <laughs> <laughs> because- because honestly, I don't know if you remember this, but I did it for 10 years. I came to Seattle for 10 years. And that first year, I was supposed to get up and do a three-minute speech. And I was terrified. I was terrified. And, and I forget the woman. Was a, she was um, on the stage. And she gave me a little help and talk and stuff. And I did it. And it was cool. But then um, I realized, on the not on the main stage, but on the ceiling stage, I went there. And I wasn't terrified then because I realized this is just rock and roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I used to be in a band. So I got up there and I, I no longer made a speech. I got up there and I went, THC Seattle. And I went, you know, and so suddenly they responded. And the next year you asked me if I would, I would be the, uh, the main stage and help you out. And then we did it. And honestly, you know, I mean, first of all, as an activist, to have that forum, mm-hmm. and to have, you know, to get up there and to be able to, to talk to that many people and, and and with the passion that you've always wanted to, and it comes back to you from that crowd, Jesus, you know, and, uh, you know, it, it's you, what you guys created there for the many years you did, it was a miracle. And when I say that, I mean, like 
there was never anybody hurt. There was never any, any real problems in that regard. There was never, and you can't put that many people every year together without something happening. And it never did. It was kind of an and, oasis, and, you know, to, to have hundred thousand people year after year after year. And then we've never had a serious injury accident or arrest. Nothing. I mean, it's a testament. Nothing. It's a testament that, that they say about cannabis, the prohibition was lies, right? I mean, if that was an alcohol fest, it'd be, chaos oh my god well first of all yeah we you know when we had the cannabis cups domestically you know we had to we had a big question about whether to have alcohol at those things and mm. at first we didn't and then we had to because they became really big and they became something else and uh and then of course fights happened not a lot but you know that that's what it came in so now the settle hem fest did so much for the movement for in so many ways but mostly because it, of its staying power Every year, you know, I said that one point a year, that one point a year, you did your part every year to make that point happen. And, and every, and as high times, you know, we talk about the, the value of certain things, high times, you can talk about this or that, or what you agree with it or disagree with it and all that. One thing it did for the marijuana legalization movement is it appeared on the stands every year for 40 years. I mean, every month for 40 years. Mm-hmm. 40 years. And so for 40 years, people would be reminded and, and stoners would be, would be happy to go out and get it. And people would be reminded high times are still here, still here. And, and, and every year, every month, you know, you had to, uh, people who bought it every month kept it like it was gold and people who like cops and things like that, they would tell me, is that still work? Is that still around? Yeah, it's still around. We ain't going nowhere, buddy. And, I, and I'm very, <laughs> very proud that I can say that I was a high times freedom fighter of the month, high times freedom fighter of the year. And uh yeah. the Brinspoon lifetime achievement award winner. That's a big one. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. And I think, I think that most or all of that was during your tenure. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I, I actually founded Lester Brinspoon. My uh, man, I got it right yeah, behind me. You can't see it, but it's literally right behind me on my desk. And uh, and the other thing that's right behind me is this segment because we got to go to another break. We're going to come back with our final explosive segment with Rick Cusick. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Time to roll out for the people that let us have present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. We're back for the final second segment with Rick Cusick, author of Reefer Dadness, coming out very soon. Um, Rick, I'm just curious, what... What's your characterization of the cannabis industry today? Do you like the state legalization models we currently have? Where do you think we're going in terms of policy and industry? And then whatever else you'd like to leave us with. Yeah, well, you know, the industry first thing um, I was in media and I was in activism for years and uh, in business. I was a businessman at high times. And I went out to California to start a California company, a medical cannabis company, thinking I knew everything there was to know about cannabis. And I went out there and I started the medical cannabis company and I found out I knew nothing about cannabis, <laughs> nothing. And I had to, and I had to start all over again. So the industry is an animal unto itself and um, it has its own lifespan and its own problems. Um, I think 
that we all have to take a step back and wait a couple of years for everything to settle down. I think when the first time we get these legalizations happening, um, you know, everybody, you know, it was a big deal. And all the enemies of cannabis, who certainly never went anywhere, they all got involved in the regulatory process and the regulatory process started sucking. And uh, that's going to be a lot of that. It happened in New Jersey where I live. People ask me, how do you like the law in Jersey? I was the director of New Jersey Normal for 12 years. I said, how do you like the, New Jersey, the law in New Jersey? I said, I don't like it at all. There's no, there's no cultivation. But I'm really glad it's legal. And the, and the weed that we're smoking in New Jersey is pretty, pretty good. So that's a possible thing. But in, in five, ten years, five years, we will have cultivation. In the next, everything here is going to happen slowly. And if we think it's going to happen fast or overnight, you're wrong. Everything we've ever gained in marijuana legalization has happened incrementally in baby steps. And so take the long view. And unfortunately, uh, corporations and industry will be exactly that, corporations and an industry. And it won't be anything like what we had before. Mm. Now, what we had before was a heartwarming movement within, our, within it. You know, we all knew each other and it was, we, were, we were fired for the goal. But these new people coming in, they're going to be fired by the bottom line. Yeah, it's in my feeling, it's it's a it's, the, the things that we lose. Are, we, we have to do this because it's too important to, to, to get rid of prohibition. But there's a lot of good stuff lost that I feel, you know, as an old yeah. stoner, there's a, a consciousness, the cannabis consciousness that that you know i feel like it's going to be turned into beer to some degree and there's nothing we can do about that and it's a part of legalization is mainstreaming it yep uh yep. And I unfortunately think that's probably that happened go ahead I, I said i think that probably happened with alcohol when when alcohol i think there was a culture of of uh, prohibition that you know we think of it as like gangsters with tommy guns and such but i bet you there was a good warm culture of people who like to drink all over the country that got their drinks no matter what the law was. And that that culture that went for 10 years during Prohibition probably fell away. Uh, I'll, I think he asked me to tell you something uh, I might want to leave you with. This is kind of weird. It's off topic, but not really. I used to work at the Edison Museum in the, uh, the um, documents department. We were going to all the Edison documents. And uh, I found a, a note, an intern office memo. And it was uh, the Edison secretary. And she said to this other person, are you coming out to the house on Long Island in the weekend? If you do, it's 1924. And he said, if you do, don't expect to be able to leave S period, O period, B period, E period, R period. (laughs) Now, I'm sure to you that that acronym is something that was a code that was that like 420 that was lost once Budweiser came along and it probably meant something like so ossified behind be, beyond every recognition or something like that, <laughs> you know, but I think that that's what happens is that the cultural people come in and then the lawyers and the business people follow. Mm-hmm. And thus has it ever been. So think about rock and roll. Yep. Well, you know, we are, we're, we're fighting uh, to preserve this culture, and, and that's one of the things that this show and Reefer Dadness, I think, is, is uh, yeah. partially accomplishing, you know, uh, because that I think that what we've had, what we had for uh, probably 40 or 50 years was a pretty beautiful, loving, peaceful, spiritual 
creative, artistic uh, culture. And I think that a lot of that's not going to die. We've got about 20 seconds. What are your final thoughts? I think you're true on everything. And I think one thing you missed, we changed the world. We really did. I mean, I, this is a big deal. And going into the future and going into where the environment and, uh, and things happening in the future we all know are coming, what we did here will become only more important. Oh, man. Uh, that's, I think that's a wonderful place to leave this, uh, this, this at. Uh, Rick Cusick, Reefer Dadness, coming out soon. Thank you so much, my brother, for being on the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. I'll talk to you soon, dude. All right, Hempy Trails. That concludes this installment of Hempy Trails on Cannabis Radio. When it comes to prohibition, you've got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice to find your voice and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. The Hempy intro music is Joanne Rand, Seven Mile Beach. The outro music is Sticker Bush, Take Back the Plant. See you next week, folks. Stay strong. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.